Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 514 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I am Jason Evans, here for your listening enjoyment. I am joined by Sam Klein and Donald Wine. Gentlemen, how are we feeling today? Sam, you look excited. Uh, super excited. I uh, turned 34 this week, which uh, is is not that... I, I don't know that that's a very exciting year to turn, but I turned 34 this week. And uh, yesterday, I had a gum graft surgery. So uh, my mouth is in pain, but I'm ready to talk. I love it. Donald Wine. Donald looks like he's in a strange place. I am in Kansas City. Uh, I was at the Royals game last night, uh, checking out a couple of ballparks that I haven't done for the first time. But no, wait, Sam, happy birthday, first of all. Every birthday is worth celebrating. So happy birthday to you, sir. Uh, Donald, what did you think of, uh, of Kansas City? Of, oh, specifically of Kauffman Stadium. Kauffman Stadium is cool. Uh, I mean, I've been to Kansas City a dozen times uh, and love Kansas City, but Kauffman Stadium was cool. I also went to Angels Stadium, or I guess it's called Angel Stadium, uh, on Sunday. Did that for the first time. Went to Disneyland on Monday for the first time since I was two years old. So I've had a nice little week. Wait, wait. I have to know, what did you eat at the ballpark? I'm of the belief that the foods we eat at the ballpark are one of the most important parts of our experience. So last night was Dollar Dog Night. So Oh, how many hot dogs did you have at Dollar Dog Night? Eight. Eight. That's a big <laughs> there number. A rain, there That's a big delay. number. So, Are you, you're, so uh, you're, you're preparing for July 4th. You, you've got just under two months left. Yeah, yeah. You got to get in training. 
um, Joey Chestnut, you're going down. For Donald to pivot from uh, online podcast sports guy to professional leader, that would be a great move for you. In my youth, in my youth, it would have happened, but not now. <laughs> we, we didn't talk about how uh, a few, um, we're just, I'm just going to do full divergences today because I haven't talked to you guys in like a month. Uh, something like a month or two months ago, uh, one of my very favorite uh, Bluegrass Festival events put out a promo video uh, that I am featured heavily in. Whoa. And I think I, think I may have, uh, I may have mentioned it to you guys via text, but uh, I certainly didn't mention it on the show. Uh, no one saw it, at least th that I can tell. Nobody saw it in, in Duke World, but I can send you the link to it. If you look up, uh, it's called Delfest Academy, and uh, they made a promo video last year, and they interviewed me, and so I'm in it, and I'm the only one who's in the promo video that's not, like, in a band. And uh, so I'm not explaining it at all. It's not worth it. But uh, just just talking about our other lives on the internet that aren't here. All right, that's so awesome. gentlemen. That that yeah, sounds yeah. cool. So, check cool. out the check out the Dell Fest video, everybody. We have a lot. I I can't believe we're sitting here bantering about stuff when we have a lot to talk about. Very very busy. In fact, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff in the first half, and then we're going to take a break. And we have so much stuff in the back half. We're going to do a lightning round where we get through like five different topics and do like two minutes on each one of them. Before we get to the lightning round, though, we've got to get to what's going on with Duke basketball and. The big news this afternoon, there is a new Blue Devil out there. His Neil is Neil Begovich from Stanford. Let's be very clear. Neil is a, well, he's not a walk-on. He earned a scholarship last year at Stanford, but for the first two years he was at Stanford, he was a walk-on. Neil scored a grand total last season. If I'm reading these things correctly, he scored seven points and had nine rebounds in the games that he played for Stanford. He he did, by the way, make the Pac-12 academic um, you know, honor roll. And he's done that two years in a row. So this is a guy, it, no surprise, coming from Stanford, is a very good student. If you listen to the last episode of the DBR podcast, you know that, that Duke's academic progress report numbers have not been great lately. And, uh, and Neil can probably help with that. Sam, give me something on the newest Blue Devil coming to us from Stanford, probably just a practice player. I mean, yeah, right. The Duke recruited a couple Ivy League guys last year in the transfer portal, and uh, by the way, the, the guys who recruited last year had much more significant stats and playing time than Neil Begovich has. Well, but at least he's coming from a, a power five and a half type program. So uh, he's got he's got that going for him. I was wondering from the from the story, I, I wasn't able to join you guys on the last show, but on the story about the APR thing, uh, my question was, does this mean that Duke is now angling to join the SEC? Oh, Yeah. That's, is this the mm. is this the move? Do we have to do we have to just like tank the we had to tank the academic uh, uh, performance here so that we can uh, you know fit in with Kentucky and and whoever else is that or is that not happening? No, no, no. In fact, I, I, I think look, I, I thought we're we're serious about about staying you know in the power conferences. This is this is how we escape the ACC. So I I actually think the exact opposite. I think you're going to see Duke putting a renewed focus on making sure that that APR number gets gets to be higher. Donald, um, I'll let you, you got anything on, on Neil Begovich joining the Blue Devils? Yeah, well, I mean, we just found out about this like five minutes ago. So uh, the only thing I can tell you is that in 2020, 2021, Neil Begovich was 100% from the floor, including 100% from three. I don't know how many shots he took. It's probably one or two, but hey, 100% is 100%. 
I love it. I love it. Okay. So guys, let's get to some real news. If what? he gets into a game, I, I know we're going to like, all we do all summer is like talk about the road, like what the rotation is going to look like in the fall. Uh, if Neil Begovich is like playing big minutes at the five next year for Duke, this is a whole other, this is a whole other story for like, we'll discuss that when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's, let's talk about that when it happens. Okay. I promise. We'll talk about that when it happens. Uh, in in the ranks of guys who potentially could be significantly more significant players for the Blue Devils, it is worth noting we're recording this in the uh, late afternoon on May 10th. Uh, tomorrow at midnight, midnight on May 11th, is the end of the NCAA transfer portal, time that you can enter the NCAA transfer portal. And, and Duke has its eye to see if some names pop in at the last minute. I'll go ahead and say the names that Duke is looking for. I, you know, if you, if you trust Twitter and I don't know if you should, if you trust the rumor mill and I don't know if you should, supposedly Duke is, is eager to see if uh, Adam Bona of UCLA, Deron Holmes of Dayton or Adama Sonogo of UConn, the most valuable player of the final four, (laughs) if any of those three guys who are all in the NBA draft currently, but don't necessarily have like the highest draft prospects. Duke is interested in seeing if any one of those three guys enter into the transfer portal at the last minute. Not that they would necessarily pull out of the draft yet, but, you know, with an eye toward perhaps if they do pull out of the draft, going someplace else, all three of those guys would be almost certainly instant starters for Duke at the five and impact players that would, you know, boost Duke's chances in a fairly significant way because they're all able to protect the rim a little bit. They're able to take up space on the inside and they would be a big deal. Obviously, the other thing about the transfer portal, gentlemen, is that we're waiting to see if there are any Duke players who put their name into it. Thus far, Duke has done phenomenally well at holding on to the players on the roster. Uh, We have not heard about anybody, you know, eyeing the transfer portal. Uh, We're still waiting, I guess, for official announcements, if there are going to be official announcements about Christian Reeves, about Jaden Shute and Jalen Blakes, I I doubt I don't think we're going to see an announcement. And and everything we're hearing is that all three of those guys are planning on coming back to Duke, are not planning on entering the portal. In fact, Mark Mitchell this week was doing a like an AMA thing, you know, ask me anything on Instagram or something like that. And someone said to him, "Hey, Jaden Shute can enter the portal," and he said, "No." So uh, that's about as official as it gets. Uh, guys, uh, any comments, any thoughts on the upcoming transfer portal deadline? feel like you have to play a certain amount to for for the program to like do the I'm coming back thing. And I just feel like Jaden Shute didn't quite meet that, whatever that, I don't know what the, exactly that like minutes threshold is, but Jaden Shute didn't meet it. I think the expectation is he's coming back unless he decides that he's leaving. And if he's leaving, it's like, uh, all right, like, good luck. Um, so so no, I don't think we're getting announcements from those guys. I don't know that it's something that we were like holding our breath for. It's exciting that they're that it seems like Shoot and Blakes are coming back. I have, you know, I and I, Reeves and Reeves and, hey. and Reeves certainly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we we saw almost none of Reeves last year, so like I have like nothing to say about sort of his performance and development. Both Shoot and Blakes can contribute next year depending on the kind of stuff they work on in the off season. We saw, we definitely saw flashes of it from Blake's last year, uh, especially on defense and, and even in, in limited minutes on offense, being able to contribute at a high level and Jaden shoot, as we talked about all year, we're, we're, we're waiting for something 
to show up in practice so that John Shire feels comfortable leaving him in the game to miss two threes so that he can then make three more, right? Like th- th- there, there will come a point where it's okay to do that. You know, he's, he's like not far as far along as like Andre Dawkins was after his freshman year, but Andre Dawkins got more chances, but maybe Jaden shoot didn't get as many chances because there were more guys ahead of him in the rotation than there were ahead of Andre Dawkins. So like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors in here, but I am excited that it seems like both of those guys are coming back. They fill out the roster in a really nice way. So two things. First of all, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like someone to email me and let me know the last time they saw someone make an announcement that says, hey, I'm not transferring. I'm staying where I am. I'm not going to wait. I'm, I'm not going to have to wait because the answer is no one really does that. They, they announce if they're going to transfer. They announce if they're going to the NBA draft. If there's a, a question about them going to the NBA draft coming back, yeah, sure, there'd be an announcement. But there's not going to be an announcement about these guys staying and not transferring. That just seems kind of out of place. The second thing is this, and I, I told Jason this yesterday. We were going to record yesterday. We couldn't get our schedules lined up. I am afraid to say anything over the in the, in the happens that we jinxed this because last year, the portal deadline came and passed, and then a few days later, Joey Baker entered the portal anyway. So I say this with all caveats it, it included in this. I think it's a great thing that all these guys are coming back, I, it, that it seems like they're coming back. I think Christian Reeves, I think, you know, they have a whole summer together to kind of really improve and show John Shire and the coaching staff that they can be a part of the rotation and, and really kind of spread this out and make it where we truly have nine or 10 guys that we can rely on. I know that we're not going to have a 10 man rotation or 11 man rotation throughout a lot of the season, but at least having those guys that John Shire can call their number and that they feel like they are ready to contribute. It's good to have 11, 10, 11 guys in that particular situation. That's what this summer's all about. So I'm glad that they're back. And honestly, I really hope that with the, the comp, I know we'll talk about the combine a little bit more, but you know, with Jeremy Roach, if he comes back, if we get one of these guys uh, from the transfer, one of these big guys from the transfer portal, then man, we'll we'll have a really loaded squad. And and this is again, I've said this before. This is the first time in John Shire's short tenure that we have the label expectations officially applied to a team. And I feel like this team has expectations to do a lot better than they did this year. That's talking about going deeper in the in the NCAA. Uh, you know, of course, winning the ACC, winning the ACC tournament, those are all expectations that can be reasonably set and people can hold them to, to that standard instead of, you know, last year where it felt like, hey, those expectations didn't really apply to a first year situation. So I'm really glad all these guys are coming back and I'm really, you know, looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah. By the way, I mean, guys, remind me, didn't Jalen Blakes lead Duke in scoring in one game last year? I mean, he did. Yeah. Jalen Blakes was a, <laughs> A significant. He actually did for... it twice. He co-led one, I think, with Tyrese Proctor. Um, like nineteen we... points, they both shared. But yeah, yeah I'd, we'd we'd need Two to look at it. Row. But yeah, yeah, these these are guys who who we definitely think can can contribute in a significant kind of way for the Blue Devils. Uh, Donald, you kind of teed up our next topic a little bit: the NBA Combine, the G League Combine, which is sort of like the you're not quite good enough to make the NBA Combine. The G League Combine is this weekend, this coming up weekend. Immediately after it's over is the NBA Combine. There are like 80 or so players invited to the NBA Combine. There are about 40 or so invited to the G League Combine. If you look at the two lists, it'll stick out for you like a sore thumb. Jeremy Roach's name is not on either list. That's, you know, 
These lists were compiled by NBA teams, by NBA scouts. These are the guys that the NBA teams want to see. They want to be able to measure them. They want to see them, you know, work out in agility drills and stuff like that. They want to see these guys playing against each other. Some of the guys won't play, but they want to see for the most part, see if these guys, how they look playing against each other. And Jeremy Roach's name was not among the 120 or so guys that are on the NBA's radar. It obviously raises the question, does Jeremy Roach still stay in the draft or does he return to Duke? Donald, what's your feeling about what Jeremy Roach is thinking upon not being invited to either one of the combines? I think there's another option that's being discussed here, and that's whether he decides to go professional. Not necessarily NBA or the G League, but professional somewhere abroad. And that's obviously on the table for him. But yeah, Jason, I think the idea is this. The NBA is bringing in people they want to look at. Like Dariq Whitehead, we, you know, I know we haven't talked about Dariq Whitehead, how he had a, a second surgery and he's going to be out for most of the summer. He's supposed to be ready for the NBA, uh, NBA season, but he's going to the NBA combine to be measured and meet with teams and do those sort of uh, the interview process part of, of the combine. He's not going to obviously play. But Jeremy Moj wasn't even invited to play. He wasn't invited to, to stretch. He wasn't invited to do any of those intangibles or interviews. And that's a clear indication, even with the ex expansion of the uh, of the of the G League, you know, two way rule, the two way contracts. Right? Yeah. yeah, the two way contracts. They have one more per team, but that's where the G League combine comes in is where those guys can say, hey, the G League is basically saying that and, and, and I don't this is not meant to be in a, in a terrible way. But the G League is basically saying that those 40 guys or teams or guys that they think can help their G League team. Jeremy Roach is not listed amongst even that list. So the question really for me now is whether he decides he just wants to graduate or and go pro somewhere abroad and use that as a springboard maybe to the NBA. We we saw that with Jack White. Jack White went back to Australia, played two seasons. He He's now playing with the Denver Nuggets. It, it can happen. It's not a conventional path, but it can happen. I'm wondering if that's where his thought process is. If if that's the case, then also, you know, him coming back also affects the portal too, because a scholarship is being held in his name until he decides what he wants to do. So I, I'm very curious to see what his next step is. It's clearly not going to be the NBA, at least as of right now. And it's clearly not going to be the G League as of right now. So I'm wondering if his if his play is whether he wants to just finish it out, go pro and play ball somewhere abroad, or if he's going to return to Duke be honest this whole jeremy roach thing has confused me the whole time because i think jason it's been months you've been telling us that you think jeremy roach is is like definitely leaving after his junior year like you've been you you've been sure of that the whole time and my response to that has always been isn't this exactly what's going to happen when he declares for the nba draft he's like six two He's very good in college, right? He has he has games, especially halves, where he takes over. He can get to the rim. He can do all kinds of stuff at a pretty elite level for a college player and very clearly doesn't have what I always like to term the NBA skill, right? He's I don't think he's an NBA-level driver. Uh, he's, he's not an NBA-level passer. He's not an NBA-level shooter. He's not an NBA-level defender. He's very good at all those things in college. He's not – wasn't a great shooter this year. Uh, but – so obviously, if he doesn't have an NBA-ready skill, an NBA-sized body, he's only 6'2", so he like has to play point guard unless he, you know, unless demonstrates some incredible other talent. 
And by the way, Sam, before you finish, it's worth noting that for two years, Duke has tried to make him the point guard. And for two years, it hasn't really worked out. He's really shown himself to be a off a, a wing much more than a point guard. And at 6'2", you're right. There's like you're not no he's chance. Not Francis. He's not so, C. Francis. Right. He's not so, AI. So, he's so, not so given all of that, what else was going to happen? I mean, I don't know about what the cutoff is here for like the G League combine. And there may be some, you know, oh, we want to see more of some, you know, mid-major or low-major guy who we don't have a lot of tape on because let's be, because the other side of this is that like, it's not like Jeremy Roach has any shortage of opportunities to network with NBA teams, work out for them. All the connections are there, right? So so in this, like just reading this datum might be like the wrong way to look at it because NBA teams don't need Jeremy, don't need to see Jeremy Roach in more settings. They've seen plenty of him. Which might mean that someone's ready to put him on their G League team, or 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 you know sign him right after the drafts because they know that he's not going to get drafted and he's still going to be he's still going to be fine. But like, duh, he's not getting invited to the to the combine. To me, th- this is this is how it goes. And so the, the discussion about like, oh, is he going to play overseas? Like, shouldn't everyone have been having this conversation three months ago about Jeremy Roach? Like, he wasn't his game wasn't changing. He, like, he is what he is at least at the college level, and so. What I wonder for him is, like, you knew this was, I think, you knew this was the case three months ago. So why are we, why are we making it seem like there's a, there's a process here that feels like the conclusion is either Jeremy Roach really is just done with playing college and he wants to go overseas, or, like, he also kind of, like, on the other side, the other option is to come back where he knows there are other guys that are getting recruited around him. I don't know about over him, but at least around him. And he knows what the NIL opportunity is. So, like, I don't know, man. Like, didn't we didn't we have all this stuff figured out before? This is what's confusing me about this story. This like, will he or won't he? I still like don't know what he's going to do because it seems to me like he has two imperfect options. Right, going going overseas doesn't see even if you're even if you're a really savvy, you know, twenty one year old, going to live abroad is is hard. Coming back means he's going to get less playing time, probably next year like even if he's still a starter next year he's just not gonna have the same leash that he did uh during his junior year so i don't know what the i I don't know what what the best outcome is i certainly wouldn't like feel comfortable advising jeremy roach about it but but we know what the circumstances are and we know what and he knows i don't know he knows what nil opportunities are are available to him so it's just a matter of like where he wants to get paid i don't know like high six figures next year to be a basketball player high six figures. you don't mean like close to a million dollars because that's not on the that's not an option either at duke or i don't think you that's don't, an option at duke you or don't think that, that starters at duke are automatically making five six seven hundred k maybe not not quite not quite We're, we'll talk more about that as the season oh. moves up as I mean, the as I the mean, off season moves on. it's cheap so it doesn't matter uh, you, you can you can go out you can go out to M Sushi like every night of the week. That's a lot of uh, cookout. Yeah, it's a, like I mean, forget about cookout. Uh, you can eat anywhere you want in Durham uh, for for not too high of a salary. So, so so I'll give you my really quick take on on Jeremy Roach and his decision. I think that when he put his name into the draft, he was hoping that he would see more interest from NBA teams than he has, and. I think the reality has now struck him and he needs to decide either I want to return to taking classes and playing the same 
type of, you know, basketball, same conditions, same everything that I have for the past three years, or I want to just go explore and see what else there is out there in the world. And I think it's as simple as that. And I won't blame him for either decision. It's really, you know, it's really easy to go, oh, just go back to Duke. It's also, you know, I think it's not difficult, not necessarily a bad choice for for someone who's probably going to have a, you know, a decade plus of playing professional basketball for him to go, yeah, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to start down that path. I'm, hey, I'll go see Europe. I'll go see Asia or wherever else it may be. I mean, kind of cool and interesting to do that. So like I say, it, just because it's not the NBA, I don't think it's an automatic that he comes back to Duke. Donald, wrap us up on this. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that the the talk about him going abroad to play professionally was there earlier in the season. I think the problem was it was over, overshadowed by the will he won't be with the NBA draft because no one that's not getting clicks. No one, no one's sitting here on, on first take or any of these, you know, talk shows talking about what will happen with this guy. If he goes, goes abroad, they're talking about whether he's, someone's going to the NBA draft or won't he. And I think that was what dominated the conversation, even though this other option still existed, but I'll say this, I mean, the, the NIL versus, you know, money abroad is going to be about the same. He can pull, he can, he can get, you know, mid six figures or something like that. If he's playing, in the you know MBL in Australia, who really caters to Americans again is an unconventional path. There's so many guys who have gone there, played a couple of years, and then gone to the NBA. Hey, reminder, you know, Cal Singer was drafted in the second round by the Detroit Pistons. He played at Real Madrid for two seasons and then came to the NBA and had, you know, the career that he had. It, it was there for a few years. So it, there's a lot of unconventional paths. I think the question is, does he want to figure that out for himself? We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're probably going to get an answer in the next couple of weeks. All right, gentlemen, we're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, as I said at the top of the show, the lightning round, whole bunch of Duke news. We're going to give it to you in quick, quick bites when we come back. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're back from the break. And guys, like I said, we're going to hit these things pretty quickly. Uh, these, This is a flurry of news that's happened over the past several days. And I just want to get like a sentence or two out of each one of you on these things. First one, news that came down today. Coach K, unretiring. Well, kind of. He's not going back into coaching, but he has signed on to be an advisor for the NBA. It's a whole kind of weird thing about what exactly he's advising them on. Not entirely clear. I think it's just sort of like he's being an elder statesman. I know they said that he will be attending the, there's a meeting of all the NBA GMs happening later this week. And and he will be attending that meeting. And I guess just powwowing with people and they're going to bounce ideas off of him. Donald, hit me up first. Coach K in the NBA, finally. What do you think? Look, this, this is a, a no brainer, right? Like, it's not like he's going to be involved in major decisions. This is where he's going to be like, Hey, coach, what do you think of this idea we have? And he gives his opinion. GMs are probably going to say, yeah, what do you think about this? He's going to give his opinion. This is a no-brainer for the NBA. They should have done it a long time ago. The only reason they could it is because he was already he was still coaching in college. Can't wait till I retire and then people just call me up being like, we'd love for you to, you know, come in occasionally and just give us some ideas. So all being on the board of directors. Like, yeah, uh, whatever. You know, company, like that's right? a that's a that's a great place to be. I love this. It it, it like all it can do is is generate great photo opportunities and headlines and things. Something tells me that if he says anything weird, uh, they're not going to report it because what's the point of that? So uh, no, no weird. I, I, I like that the um, I like that Dylan Brooks, I feel like, has sort of reemerged as a character in basketball recently, which has just given us an excuse to be like, oh, remember that time that Coach K did that weird thing with Dylan Brooks? There won't be like weird stories out of this. I think it'll just be nice photo ops. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. It, it, it is funny. Like I remember when he went, didn't he? He went to an NBA game like a few months ago, and well, went to uh, a Celtics uh, game. In, was yeah, was in was it in Boston? Well, no, he so he did the Celtics, and then he also did Knicks. Uh, That's right, Knicks Nets. He, he went yeah, he went to a Knicks right, and uh, it was very funny to see him just like out in the wild, like 
like among like even in courtside, a place where, yeah. right? Like sitting courtside, which is which is where celebrities go. But it's like one of those places where you can actually just like see celebrities like being regular ish, and uh, you'd never see Coach K being regular ish. So uh, that was cool. Maybe there'll be more of that. So my take on this gentleman is that I think this is a really interesting thing for college basketball because Coach K has a unique position as the winningest coach in the history of college basketball, 40 plus years in the college game. And he may be able to advise the NBA about different things that relate to college basketball or can help college basketball. He can give them a perspective that perhaps the NBA hasn't had up until now. So I'm real excited for, for him to you know be able to weigh in on some of these little issues and maybe influence the NBA in a way that helps the college game because the college game may need some help. And also included that he'll be advising probably on USA basketball, which is his wheelhouse. And exactly. no coach on the planet better than him at USA basketball. All right. Next, next item in our lightning round, another NBA Duke connection. JJ Redick has interviewed for the head coaching job at the Toronto Raptors. JJ Redick, a head coach going directly from player to podcaster to ESPN commentator to head coach of a team that recently won the NBA title. Sam, Sam, what, what is going on here? He interviewed for the job or he was, they were saying that he was interested in the job. Oh no. He, he interviewed. interviewed. He has okay. first round interview. Yeah. All right. So JJ Redick interviewed for a head coaching job. I feel like the narrative on JJ Redick the last few years was like at the end of his playing career, it was like, Oh, JJ only wants to play in like New York or Philly or maybe Boston because he wants to be near his, near his wife and his kids in New York. Now he's going to move to Toronto. That I don't know. This is weird. I, I the other sort of cautionary thing here. First of all, I I don't understand JJ's like thing here because I thought his whole deal was wanting to be in New York. Other than occasionally, I guess going on the road to to call games, which seems like a fairly cushy gig, even if it does require a fair amount of like preparation and and knowledge and stuff. I'm not downplaying how hard it is to be like a, a an on air guy in the NBA. On the other side, from Toronto's perspective. It's weird to me that they would want to interview a guy who has never been a coach at any level to be their head coach. Sometimes these things may work out. I feel like most of the time these things don't work and there is no like you don't get any like lift from having a moderately famous former player as your coach. Like JJ Redick in the grand scheme, we think JJ Redick is very famous, right? And and like he certainly got like a big media presence now. But J.J. Redick is not like, you know, a Hall of Famer. That This is not Georgetown bringing in Patrick Ewing to be the head coach, right? J.J. Redick was like a role player in the NBA. So it's not even like you're getting, I don't know, so much pizzazz out of this. So I don't get it at all. And it uh, doesn't even seem like it'd be a good move for him, even if Toronto is like a good organization. It's interesting because he never really thought about being a coach. He's always, as you said, Sam, not being a coach. So it's interesting that he wants to be a coach. And, and honestly, I don't think this means that he's a front runner or like leading can or anything, but it is interesting that he is considered this because maybe it means that he realizes that, yeah, while this analyst thing might be cool, he might, again, he's always thinking way ahead about his career. He's one of the more savvy NBA, you know, former players to do that. Like the things that he's done has always been, you know, kind of against the grain, but also, uh, you know, trend setting in a way. So it'll be interesting to see if, if coaching is his next move. 
I don't necessarily see it with the Toronto Raptors. Um, but if he wants to drive four hours uh, down the 401 to uh, Detroit, we have an opening there too. Love to have him over there, even if it is, even if it's assistant. My take on the JJ Redick thing is I, I completely agree with Sam. Toronto makes no sense to me. He, he wants to be near Brooklyn. He wants to be near his family. He doesn't want to be traveling a lot. The other thing I think is that JJ has shown through his other career choices that he likes to talk. JJ has opinions and he likes to voice them. And that doesn't really work if you're a head coach in the NBA. If he's a head coach, he has to give up that podcast. He has to give up, you know, commentating. I'm not sure it fits with his personality exactly. So I don't know that it's, I agree with you guys. I'm not just not sure it's the greatest fit, but hey, more power to him. And and if he wants this paid and they offer it to him, awesome. Jason, if he's getting paid enough, because I mean, Steve Kerr still speaks his mind on a lot of, a lot of subjects. Sometimes he gets fine. Sometimes they realize that he's right and they let it kind of slide. They kind of say like, hey, let's, that's great. You talked about it. Let's not talk about it again. So there is room for him to speak his mind, but yes, not in the same way that he does on this podcast. All right, gentlemen, really quick. Lightning round continues. There is a very interesting column by our friend, Brendan Marks, friend of the podcast who writes for The Athletic, where he was talking about various things coming up for Duke. Some of them we are, th- are things we have already covered. I thought the most interesting thing in it was that he said that Duke expects and plans to play Kyle Filipowski likely double-digit minutes at the five this coming season. We had sort of heard that all the talk was, oh, one of the reasons Kyle Filipowski is coming back is that Duke wants him at the four and doesn't want him at the five. And now suddenly from Brendan Marks, someone who does talk to people, does know a little bit about what's going on, we're hearing about Kyle Filipowski perhaps playing the five. This would, you know, somewhat eliminate or lessen Duke's need for a five out of the transfer portal. If we, you know, essentially, if we don't get one of these guys that we've been talking about, this would allow Duke to still have a, you know, a seven footer in there. I think it also, you know, as you look at the Duke roster, a lot of people have talked about potentially a little bit of a log jam in the backcourt. We've mentioned, you know, a slew of names on this podcast today who are all guys who we think deserve some minutes at the one, two or three. And if if Flip is playing the five, then Mark Mitchell can play a little bit of the four and suddenly there's maybe a little more room, a little more minutes available. So, guys, what do you think about this report? Donald, I'll go to you first from Brendan Marks about Flip playing 8, 10, 12, maybe more minutes at the 5. I love it. I mean, it's there. it feels like there was times where he did that when, you know, Derek Lively or Ryan Young was in foul trouble this past season. So, it, it's. It, I feel like if it clears the logjam out a little bit, and, you, again, you got, like, you know, TJ Power, then you also have a lot of the uh, – the guards that are coming in. We have not it's mentioned TJ Power's name enough on this podcast. I'm going to just yeah. say that right now. <laughs> Look, it's still going to be scary hours for the rest of college basketball because Flip is back. And if Flip wants to play the five, then damn it, let him play the five. Like, I guess I, I, I've expressed my skepticism that this is a, a winning strategy for Duke, but maybe Duke is going to play like a completely different style than they did this past season. Uh, I'm nervous if Filipowski is is playing all that five, but uh, I have been proven wrong by John Shire's coaching ability in the past, and he hasn't had that much time to prove me wrong. So uh, I'm willing to be proven wrong again. I'm excited for the potential of playing five guys out on the perimeter and having unbelievable spacing and room for our penetrating guards 
to really get inside without there being, you know, lots of shot blocking and lots of crowded stuff on the inside. So I think this could be a really, really interesting situation for Duke. All right, next item in the lightning round. Guys, what, what happened with transfers within the ACC? A few years ago, Cam Johnson transferred from Pittsburgh to UNC and everyone lost their minds. It was a huge deal. In fact, I think like Pitt tried to block it or something like that. And then, uh, you know, it, it, it made headlines going from one conference team to another. In just the past week or so, we have had Joe Girard of Syracuse decide that he wants to keep on wearing orange uniforms, but a different orange uniform. He's going to Clemson. Matthew Cleveland of Florida State is going to Miami. And a few weeks ago, we had NC State's Jack Clark also going to Clemson. By the way, I think Jack Clark is one of the most underrated players in the ACC. He's going to be an impact player for Clemson. But all three of these guys, significant players on ACC teams going to another ACC team. I mean, like, it's just, it's kind of wild to me. And Donald, I want to start with you on this because Matthew Cleveland went from Florida State to Miami. Compare that. Is that like a Duke player transferring to North Carolina? Yes, it very much is. Really? In, 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 but it's it's funny because this isn't the first time that's happened before. If you remember, if you remember, you know who's the who's Florida State's coach right now? Leonard Hamilton. Where did he coach before? Miami. University of Miami. A lot of people didn't like the fact that he went to Florida State, but now you don't think about him as that Miami coach. You think about him more as Florida State coach. The, the interconference transfer thing is what was going to happen. I feel like in the case of Matthew Cleveland, I hope he secured the bag uh, because uh, the life wallet pockets are a little little thinner today. Um, I believe they're about to claim bankruptcy. So hopefully they got those get those monies in before he before he uh, signs a letter of intent. But I think when it comes to interconference transfers, we're going to see more of this. And it may again, it may be long. If you remember, there was that April Fool's joke about Caleb Love transferring to Duke, and everybody went nuts before they realized what day it was. But I, I'm not saying that a Duke UNC transfer happened, but you'll see more between interconference rivals where you know South Carolina to Clemson or, or you know. Georgia, Georgia Tech, or, or Florida, the, you know, wherever. Um, I, I think that's going to happen more as we get NIL and people start trying to figure out where they want to play. So my only it, thing about this is I actually think it makes a lot of sense because obviously you, the teams you play in conference, you know those teams pretty well. You know those coaches fairly well. You already have somewhat of a relationship because you've played against them in in some cases multiple times over multiple years. So I get it. It just... It does feel kind of weird to me. Sam, you want last word on this one? I, I guess it, it used to feel more weird. And in in the days when the, I don't know, it just feels like the, the whole the whole conference, like the conference season is longer, but also feels like it means less. Like we, we get so focused on the NCAA tournament that like I, I've told you before on the show, I forget the years when Duke has won the ACC. Uh, it, like if we were to go back, I can tell you, you know, pretty reliably what seed Duke was in the tournament every year and like and how far they went. Yeah. And yeah. how far I can definitely tell you how far they went every year. I can't reliably tell you where they finished in, in conference or what they did in the ACC tournament every year. And to that end, it's like, okay, like maybe it means you get to play your former team, but, um, but we just seem a lot less worried about this sort of thing. I think the other thing that, that plays into it is that coaches used to be a lot more protective about like schemes and, uh, practice details and all this kind of stuff and one there's a lot more tape now like everything is recorded everything is available online so it's just not as as pertinent and 
a lot of programs have sort of followed Duke's lead in like putting all this practice footage online and and all this kind of stuff. So it's much more about like, yeah, we'll we'll have like secret game plans, um, but you're not going to know them if you were on the team last year because we're making them up again next year. So there's just not as much value that you can glean from that, which is not to say that like you can't take, you know, things that that uh, Leonard Hamilton's doing well and and bring them over to Miami or vice versa. Um, but it, it doesn't quite work the same way, I think, as it used to. I mean, we used to have it where guys could block schools could block you know, kind of other schools from, from players to transfer to. But if you remember, you know, what was this, this now like seven years ago or whatever, Michael Benajay transferred from Duke to Syracuse. He sat out a year, and then he played against Duke like, what, six or seven times? And it, the first time, yeah, Jason, it was initially kind of weird, right, to to have someone like be, you know, welcome back to Cameron who was still playing, playing for another team. And then after that, it just felt like he was another Syracuse orange player that was playing with the exception of coach K would give him more of a, a hug and a love tap at the end of the, uh, of the handshake line. So my only thing on it is it, it means that if you're a coach, you have to change the name of your plays every year that like, you know, if you have a specific out of bounds play that calls for a double screen to, to lob to a guy, you can't Listen, call it the same tape on all that stuff. Like, like they had like, and you can hear coaches them do that, that anyway out, like, on ESPN. So I don't even think coaches that do that anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the other thing is, I feel like there's so much more movement. I mean, look, the portal, they're 1,200, 1,500, something like that. Guys in the portal every year now. The any any shock that we have over anything related to transfers and player movement, how we felt about all this stuff three years ago, and how we feel today are just night and day. So. That, that's 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 where I am on this, and I, I wish the guys well in their in their new locations. I think uh, as a fan, it's a little bit difficult for me when I see Joe Girard. I'm gonna be like, wait, why? Huh? Wrong? You know? But it's fine. Hey, Donald and Sam, thanks for joining me. I am Jason. By the way, all of you, we need you to send us emails. Dbrpodcast at gmail.com. That is the email address to write to us. This has been the latest episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Here's the Duke band to play us out and take us home. What episode are we on? Who cares? Just jump around with the numbers. Who cares? Yeah, really. It's 694. Why not? 527. We're doing episode 325 again. We didn't like it the first time. (laughs) This is episode 3,492.